John, if you want to turn in your Bibles this morning, we'll be in the book of Matthew, chapter 5. Matthew in chapter 5. Can, can, I, can I read? A, I, ran, I ran across this old paper that I had, and I read some of these before. But these things crack me up, man. These, these are church bulletins. And, and the church bulletins that, that they put out, this one says, The peacemaking meeting schedule for today has been canceled due to conflict. Remember in prayer the many who are sick of our community. I know what they meant, but how you say things really is important. Next Thursday, there will be tryouts for the choir. They need all the help they can get. Irving Benson, this is crazy. Irving Benson and Jesse Carter were married on October 24th in the church. So ends a friendship that began in their school days. <laughs> married people can understand exactly what that's... Uh, what, well, anyway, anyway. Um, the associate minister unveiled the church's new tithing campaign slogan last Sunday. I up my pledge, up yours. <laughs> the, sermon, the sermon this morning, Jesus walks on the water. Be back for the sermon tonight, searching for Jesus. <laughs> There's a reason you have other people proof what you write. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Bring your husbands. <laughs> don't let worry kill you off. Let the church help. <laughs> and I'm going to have to stop on this one. I Miss Charlene. Miss Charlene Mason saying, I will not pass this way again, giving obvious pleasure to the congregation. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Lord, help us. Matthew chapter 5. We were here last week as Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. We looked at the Beatitudes. We looked there at verse number 3 down to verse number 12 as Jesus taught the Beatitudes. And we looked at what the attitudes are. Three different times I mentioned in the message that the Beatitudes are not requirements for salvation. It is the defining nature of those who have been saved. As a matter of fact, what I said is these are not requirements to be saved. These are the visible results of those who are saved. I said it three times last week, repeated a couple of times this week, because it, it is important that you and I understand that what Jesus is describing here in the text is the way you and I ought to be living. It's the way that we ought to be living our daily lives. It's what we ought to live like, look like, act like, walk like, and talk like. And then at the end of the message, we looked briefly at how Jesus said that we're the light of the world. And we looked a little bit at the light and how when the light comes on, darkness has to flee there at the end of the message. But after the Beatitudes, Jesus gives us two examples here of how we ought to live our lives. He, he says that the, the way that we fulfill them, after he gave us all the blessed of the merciful and blessed of the pure in heart and blessed of the peaceful and all the things that we ought to be, he says to us that ye are the salt of the earth, 
But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Now, I noticed something on the play of words right there, and I went back and I tried to look, and it doesn't give that one word. It gives it in a group of words. But Jesus says something that makes it very clear that he's not talking about an item here. He's not talking about salt as an item, but he is referring to you and I as Christians. He's referring to people losing their flavor. Because if you notice there, he says, if the salt have lost his savor. It doesn't say it's savor. It's important that you look at the words and how he says things. What he's saying is, do you and I, what good are we if we lose our savor? So then he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. The, the, the term savor there that Jesus used talking about you and I comes from the word. Y'all don't mind if I just try to pronounce one of these Greek words, do you? It looks simple enough. M-O-R-A-I-N-O. -O, says it's pronounced moraino. Y'all good with that? But it says it means to become a fool or to act foolish. So, so let me read that one one more time. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, acts foolish. Acts as though it's a fool. Has nothing godly about it. If, it, if, if we act foolish, Wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of me. And I don't, I don't really have time and I don't remember where I got it. But I, re I remember reading, you know, that they used to use salt around the streets of Jerusalem to put on paths to keep weeds and stuff from growing in the salt. That, that's part of what Jesus... See, they would have known that. So they understand it's good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of me. Well, anyway, that one was all free. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I want to bring a message this morning on do you have a call? What, what, what are we living this life for? What is our cause? When we end this life, when we stand before Jesus Christ, what is it that you want to have accomplished? What is it that you don't want to be held accountable for that you didn't do? What is it that God wants you to do that you do want to stand before God on judgment day of the Christian? When we stand and our works will be tried as by fire. What is it that we hope to have accomplished when we stand before Jesus Christ? God, thank you so much for this book. Thank you for the words taught by Jesus Christ himself to tell us how to live, what we ought to be like, what we ought to look like, how we ought to live like. God, I pray right now with your sweet Holy Spirit move in this place, God. I pray for every family represented here. I pray for those listening on live stream, God. I know it's a little different out there. They don't get to feel your presence that sweeps through this place, God. But I pray you'd reach out through the airways and minister to each of us, God. I pray that you'd move on us. I pray that you'd teach us 
God, I pray that you would help us to be willing, usable vessels in 2021. God, I pray you would help us to church, your church, your children, your people, to turn this world upside down and inside out. And God, as I talked to one of your servants yesterday about you used 12 men to turn the world upside down. 11 men, if you will, but to turn the world inside out in their day. God, you could do the same thing again today if you just had some children that were dedicated to living a life pleasing to you and being what you'd have us to be, that our light might shine and dispel darkness. God, I ask you to move in this place this morning. Move, take your word, God, and move our hearts. We just want to be pleasing to you, God. We love you and we praise you in the precious holy name of Jesus. Amen. Five years ago, I preached a, a message on Sunday night. The message was, do you have a purpose? I used the book of Daniel, and we were looking at how Daniel had a purpose in his life, and we also looked... Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, we looked at all things that was there when we went into it. We looked at the fact that Daniel would have been somewhere around 600 years B.C. And we looked at how the nation had come in and overthrown Jerusalem. And they had destroyed the temple. And they'd taken the articles of gold from the temple. And they carried the golden articles along with the people back to Babylon. They carried them as prisoners, took them back. And, of course, Daniel was carried back along with several others. But Daniel and several young men, they were chosen chosen to be special men. They were chosen to be set aside, to be treated in a special way by the king because they were going to be his special servants. But we looked at Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 8. That was the theme of the message that evening. It said that Daniel purposed in his heart. If you didn't underline that five years ago, you might want to go back to Daniel chapter 1 and study that Daniel purposed in his heart. He didn't accidentally decide. He didn't accidentally decide to serve God. He didn't accidentally decide not to take the king's portion that they wanted to give him. He didn't accidentally decide that I want to set myself apart from the world. He didn't accidentally get up one day and just decide I'm going to do something different. He had purposed in his heart, I'm going to be a child of God. I'm going to live different, look different. I'm going to follow the will of God. He had purposed in his heart that he wanted to be something different that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself the key is purposed in his heart you and I as Christians if we're going to make a difference in 2021 we're going to have to purpose in our heart right now that we're going to stand up for God thus saith the Lord no matter what I will not be silenced. I will not be shut up. I will not change. I will not stop. I will not hush. I will say, thus saith the Lord. I'll say homosexuality is a sin. Abortion is murder. The garbage is coming down from the White House. is not only against the law, but it's against the laws of God. It is a sin. You're not going to shut down the church. It's unconstitutional. It says that the state government can have no authority over the church that the church is going to stand up, Christians are going to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord. We cannot be silenced. But you're going to have to purpose that in your heart now because I'm, I'm not naive enough to believe that there's not some times coming of which we know nothing about. COVID-19 snuck in unaware in March of 2020. Things were great in January. There was no problem. It just came out of nowhere. I'm not naive enough to believe that the devil's done. I'm not naive enough to believe that God may not allow him to do some more things. But we're going to have to purpose in our heart now. If we're going to be a child of God to stand up and act like one, 
We got to decide that now before the storm gets here. You can't wait till the storm gets here, and then you want to pray, and then you want to read, and then you want to decide, and then you want to beg God. We got to decide in January that I'm going to make a difference in February. I'm not going to be silenced in March. I'm not going to be shut up in April. I'm not going to be pushed aside in May. I'm not going to be stopped in June. I'm going to proclaim the gospel in July. And whatever God gives us to do, we're going to do it for the glory of God. We're going to have to purpose. We're going to have to purpose in our hearts to serve God with everything in us. Three times in the Old Testament, 23 times in the New Testament, the Bible uses this phrase, for this cause. When Paul wrote his letter to the church at Ephesus, he said in chapter 2, verse 21, he said, In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Goes on to the next verse, chapter 3 and verse 1. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read ye may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ, which in... Other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The common denominator there in verse 1 and verse 14 is for this cause. In the Old Testament book of Exodus, God is talking to Moses. He's talking about the Pharaoh, and he says in chapter 9 and verse 16, and in very deed, For this cause have I raised thee up, for to show in thee my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Acts chapter 10, Peter opened his mouth. Anybody believe that? Peter opened his mouth, and he said, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. That tells me point blank, if God had a cause for anybody, then God has a cause for everybody. That God does everything equally for all. The book of Mark chapter 10, and I realize this is a completely different context of the word, but it doesn't change the fact that verse number 7, Jesus said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and to cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh, so then they are no more twain, but one flesh. Paul wrote his letter to the church at Colossae. He said in chapter 1 and verse 9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and 
all wisdom and spiritual understanding that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing the knowledge of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Chapter 3, he goes on to say in verse number 5, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. John chapter 12, the Pharisees came to Philip. They, they desired to see Jesus. They wanted to talk to Jesus. They went. In verse number 26, Jesus began teaching. He said, If any man serve me, let him follow me. Where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. In John chapter 18, Jesus has been arrested. He's been carried before Pilate in Pilate's hall. And, and he's being questioned in verse number 37. Pilate asked him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born. For this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. So an honest question for all of us this morning is, what is our cause? It's obvious that everyone has a cause. Everyone is here for a specific purpose. What what can I do to change anything in 2020, 2021? Anybody feel that way? What, what, what could I possibly do? What, what purpose could I have? It's just me. I get up in the morning. I go to work. I come home in the evening. I take care of the family. We pay our bills. What, what could I possibly do in 2021 to change this disastrous situations that we're in? Well, number one, live your life like Christ. Number one, fulfill the Beatitudes. Be, be what God wants us to be. You want to know how you can make a difference in 2021? You may not can change the world, but you can change somebody around you. You know how? Let them see Christ in you. It, it's not us. We'll look at that a little bit more in a minute. It's not us. It, it is what it is in us. How many of you remember? I just think, well, y'all remember about the starfish? Somebody told that story. It may have even been right here in the church. I heard them tell the story. I've even shared it before about the, the little boy that there was thousands of starfish on the beach, and the little boy was walking and picking starfish up and throwing them back in. Nobody, a lot of people's not shaking their heads, so some of you hadn't heard it. Um, so the little boy picks up, and a man comes in, and he asks him, he says, Son, what, what, is, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm just I'm, I'm throwing these starfish back in the ocean. And the man looked, and he says, there, There's thousands of them. You're not possibly making any difference. And the little boy had one in his hand that he'd picked up and he threw it back out into the ocean. And he said it made a difference for that one. That's got to be us. We may not can make a difference for everybody. But we can make a difference for somebody. Everybody may not see Christ in you at your job site. But somebody will see Christ in you. At your job site. Everybody may not see Christ in you at your school. But somebody 
can see Christ in you at your school. Everybody in your community may not see Christ in you. But somebody in your community can see Christ in you. And if one reaches another, that reaches another, that reaches another, that reaches another, that reaches another, then the world can be changed. But it has to start with one. What is my cause? What did God put me here for? In the book of Esther, we have one of the greatest rags to riches stories in the Bible. It's certainly not the only one. There's several rags to riches stories in the Bible, but Esther has to be among one of the greatest. She's this poor little Jewish girl, comes from a poor little Jewish family that have nothing. And lo and behold, as God would have it, she finds herself a queen living in the king's palace. But even though she's inside, things seem peaches and cream. The world's still the world on the outside. Amen. So the world out there and the few little troublemakers, they've got this decree that they brought in. They've had the king sign it. And what it says is the Jews are going to be killed. Mordecai, her uncle, he's living out at the gate or he's staying out at the gate of the city. And he's heard this and he sent word in to tell Esther they're going to, they're going to kill the Jews. You, you've got to do something about it. And she says, what can I do? Anybody ever feel like that? What can I do? I can't even go to the king. I may be queen, but I'm not allowed in the courtyard. No one can come into the king's courtyard before his throne without being called to the king, or they can be killed immediately. Well, what am I supposed to do? Chapter 4 of Esther, verse number 13, Mordecai commanded to answer the Esther. He sent her a word back. He said, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then, there, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? I want you to look carefully at what Mordecai said. I want you to look at what God says to you in your environment. Right here, right now, in your school, in your home, in your job, in your environment, where you live, where you're staying, what he says is God's will will be carried out. What he says is God's purpose will be fulfilled, and you are in a position to be used by God to carry out that purpose. But if you don't, anybody listening, don't go to sleep on me. If you don't, God's will will still be carried out. You cannot stop that. All it means is that you will not get the blessing because somebody else did what you were supposed to do. God's purpose will be fulfilled how do you know that you're not put right here, right now, right where you are for such a time as this? COVID-19 ain't caught God off guard. 2020 wasn't an uh-oh in God's economy. 2021, whatever it holds, God can already see. If Jesus Christ is coming back in 2021, the Father already knows it. If he's not, he already knows what's going on in 22. He already knows where you are. He already knows where he has you. And he already knows your cause. He has a purpose assigned 
to each one of us. Wouldn't it be a shame to get there and see somebody else get the rewards that we were supposed to get because we didn't do what God gave us to do? Well, that was all free. Where was I even at? Let me, let me, let me just get back to the text. Now, so we see that, that we have a call. Let, let's go back to the text. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. That's cause number one. See, that's right after the Beatitudes. Jesus says, act this way because. This is the way children of God act. This is what you'll do as a Christian because you're the salt of the earth. You need to act this way because you are the flavor of things. But if you lose your flavor, what good is it? Cause number two, you're the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. But on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And here's your cause. Here's your cause. Glorify your Father which is in heaven. That, that's our purpose. That, that's, that's our cause. That's why we are here for such a time as this. So I want to look just real quick. We won't be but just a minute. I want to look at these two things that, that Jesus compares us to. Number one is the salt. And salt does a lot of things. We, we could stay here for a while, but I'm, I'm going to just narrow both of these down to three things. Number one, salt flavors things. I know we've talked about salt before and we've looked at the salt before, but we're going to look at it again this morning. Salt flavors things. Anybody, anybody in here cook? Anybody in here know that if you ain't got salt, there ain't no reason to turn the oven on? It's kind of like sugar, man. If you ain't got salt, there ain't no reason to get the grease hot. Everything good starts with salt. Now, I, I get the vegetables in the bowl, and I get you got to dump some salt into some butter beans and some field peas and, and some corn. And I, I get if you're going to boil up some vegetables and you want it to be good, it's got to have some salt. But, but do you know that, how many of you bake cakes? Anybody ever put salt in a cake when you're baking it? If you baked it according to the recipe, you did. I mean, we're talking about dessert, right? We're talking about sugar. We're talking about the sweet stuff, my specialty, my favorite part of the day and of every meal. The sweet stuff, the good stuff. You know, you got to have some salt. Anybody here bake cookies? No, wait a minute. I'm facing the cut down on the hands right here. I ain't talking about opening a bag and get those out, lamb on the pan. I'm talking about start out with some flour and some stuff. Basically. Now we're getting somewhere. I ain't, I ain't talking about, you know, opening up a tube and slice, slice, slice. I'm talking about baked cookies. And it takes a recipe. And the recipe, no matter what it says, it always involves a little extra pinch of salt and an extra scoop of sugar. If it's going to be any good, those two things got to happen. It doesn't matter. You make pies, whatever you make, it has to have salt in it. it, it any recipe to make anything requires salt. But it just ain't enough for the recipe. How many of you get French fries out of the grease and while they're still hot, you put salt on them? Listen, McDonald's got about as good a French fries as an on-demand in my book. But if you want to make them better, would you like anything? I need some salt, please. Some, some of you salt everything. Some of you go and you get your butter beans, your peas, your corn, you get some roast beef, mashed potatoes, gravy, you get whatever it is, you put it all on there and then you... 
Some, some of you salt. Everything. Salt adds flavor to things. It, it is simply an additive that you put to make something better. But here's the deal. It's not the salt that helps anything. It is the flavor within the salt that helps things. If the salt has no flavor, then the salt is no good to be cast out. Jesus is talking about Christians, and what he says is if we have no flavor, it's Christ that is inside of us that is the flavor. It is Christ that is inside of us that changes things. It is when Christ is added into the equation, that's what changes things. And if Christ isn't in the equation, then it doesn't matter what we sprinkle on, it's no good. Keep on, I'll make you preach right there. Number two, salt preserves. It is Christ in us, somebody ought to shout, that preserves us. I am preserved for all of eternity because of Christ in me. I'm, I'm not just flavored. I'm not, I'm not just I'm not just flavored in this life. It's not that I can just get around somebody and make a difference. It's not just the flavor of the Holy Spirit of God coming out in this life. I am preserved for all of eternity because of that flavor that's been put in me. Anybody ever tan any hides? Four or five of us. rest of you need some hide tanning lessons. You, you take your hide and you, you turn it to the board with the hair side down and you nail it tight across the top and you stretch it and you nail it tight across the bottom all the way around and then you scrape it and you try to get everything you can off of it. But if you want to preserve that hide, you get you some salt. I ain't talking about a little shaker either. I, I mean the whole big box. And you put salt all over, and it is the salt that preserves that hide. It pulls the moisture out. In order to make this make any sense at all, I got to get on to number three. The reason it preserves is because it purifies. It removes the imperfection. Man, somebody ought to catch a hold of that. Christ in you removes all the impurities. It removes all of our sin. It removes all of our stain. It washes everything away. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. I'm not preserved because I'm any good. I'm not preserved because I'm any better than I used to be. I'm preserved because I've been filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Therefore, I'm flavored in this life, but I am purified that I might spend all of eternity in the presence of God Almighty. So preserves things because it purifies things. In the old days, there wasn't really any form of refrigeration. If they wanted to keep meat, when they killed something, they cooked then. In order to preserve the rest of it, they had to, to salt it. And the way they cured it, the way it was cured was with salt. Use salt. It, it draws out the impurities. Jesus Christ preserved you and I. By purifying you and I with his own blood. Therefore, we are flavored. We are to make a difference in this world. Salt is a symbol of an everlasting covenant. I was studying some things on salt. I found some things in the Old Testament. The book of Numbers, chapter 18 and verse 19. 
It says all the heave offerings. You, it doesn't make a lot more sense if you go study all the offerings and all the feasts in the Old Testament. Feast, all the things that required. But all the heave offerings of the holy things, which the children of Israel offer unto the Lord, have I given thee, and thy sons and thy daughters with thee, by a statute forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord unto thee and thy seed with thee. God says, just like that song, unto your children and their children and their children unto a thousand generations. It is the covenant of salt ever before the Lord unto thee and to thy seed with thee. Second Chronicles chapter 13, verse number 5. Ought ye not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over Israel to David forever, even to him and to his sons by a covenant of salt? So what we see is that, that salt is a representative of an everlasting covenant that can never be taken away. See, you, you and I as Christians, we are a representative of the blood of Jesus Christ. We are a representative of what it's like to have once been lost, but now I'm found. We are a representative to have been once blind, but now I see. We are a representative to have been on our way to hell, but now on our way to heaven. We have something to be joyful about. That the world can't understand. We are a representative of something that was no good, but now has been made good, not by works or anything that we did, but by the blood of Jesus Christ in us. We are representatives of the blood of Jesus Christ. We are representative of what the Lamb of God has done, can do, and will do for those who are still lost out there in the world. In the Old Testament, because of the purity of salt the the preservation that was available through salt if someone wanted to make an agreement together they would make an agreement by consuming salt together ain't that crazy see in today's world anybody bought a car in the last five years borrowed money in the last five years no wonder i'm in debt ain't nobody else done nothing for me in the last five years You have to sign 1,614 documents just to buy a used car. And every one of the documents says, I acknowledge that this car is yours. Well, I already knew that before I got here. I acknowledge that I want to buy this car from you. Well, I thought that's why you had it for sale and I came in in the first place. I acknowledge that, that I'm borrowing money and, and that this car is rightfully yours if not paid for. But then we sign that I, I promise that I'm going to pay you that money back and it ain't worth the ink that it takes to sign it because people ain't going to pay it back if the word ain't no good. People sign stuff every day. Repossessions in business every day. They just keep on picking up cars and taking back houses and coming after money. But in the Old Testament, you, you know, they did some things that was worthy of death. If you partook of salt with someone, that was everlasting. That could not be broken. You and I have an everlasting covenant. God ain't never going to take it back. He ain't ever going to take it away. My purity is forever because I've been cleansed. Therefore, I, I am set aside, set apart my, my preservation is forever 
because of what Christ did. But my flavor ought to be exhibited now. What I have, I ought to be excited about. I ought to be excited enough to be telling a world out there that there is a way to get out of all that you're in, and his name is Jesus Christ. May not be my way, may not be your way. Everything is his way. Well, salt preserves because it purifies. So the only way that, that you and I can be the salt of the earth is to live our lives purified by the blood of Jesus. So Jesus purifies us, preserves us, flavors us. If we truly are purified and preserved and flavored, then we're going to be living verse 3 through 12. We're going to be living the Beatitudes. Those aren't what I want to be. Those are what I need to be. I want to say ought to be. I really want to say have to be. Uh, do we make mistakes? Yeah. That's what the grace of God is all about. Get up, ask for forgiveness, and move on. Try to do better the next time. We, we, we've got to be those. But Jesus gave these Beatitudes, and he said, These are the descriptions of a Christian. This is what they look like. And to those who live that way, they are the salt of the earth. If we claim to be a Christian, but our attitude doesn't show it. The fruit that we bear does not demonstrate what we claim to be connected to. Then we have lost our ability to transform the lives of those around us. We can't say one thing and do something else and expect them to want what we have. There has to be something different about us. That's what Jesus is telling us. He, Jesus tells the disciples that, that we are to purify the things around us. But the only way that we can purify anything is if we're pure first. Corrupt salt is useless. So, so what, what we see here in this text is it's not the salt that does any good. It's the flavor within the salt. You and I are to have that, that flavor, that, that anointing of the Holy Spirit. Can, can I tell you that, that corrupt salt is more worthless than dirt? Actually, I ought to call dirt soil because in high school, and I know some of you want to know how in the world can he remember that far back. I don't know because I can't remember yesterday. But zeros have a way of reminding you of things. And if you ever referred to soil as dirt, that was a zero for the day in some of my ag farming classes in high school growing up. Soil grows things. It's, it's not dirt. Dirt is, is dust. It's stuff that's worthless. But... But salt that's no good is worse than that. See, soil will grow things. Salt, salt will kill things. As a matter of fact, do you know that, that salt with no flavor would be worse than manure? Anybody live around a chicken house? Chew-wee! Them things stink, boy. And if that ain't bad enough, they go in them chicken houses or in those commercial cattle barns with, with stuff piled up by yay deep. Oh and, and they go in there with them 
buckets and they clean all that stuff out. And they put it in a hopper truck and they spread it all over the field so all the community can enjoy it. You know why they spread manure? It's fertilizer. You spread that stuff on thick onto your fields and it makes your pastures grow the next year better and greener so you have more hay. Poop is a fertilizer. But if you put salt and spread it out on that field, you won't have no grass. It'll kill all of it. So salt that has no flavor is more worthless than manure. That, that, I'm just trying to, trying to help illustrate what the text is. That ain't too far, is it? That kind of help you understand what, what he's talking about. Jesus says that you and I are the salt of the earth. We should bring good flavor to everything that we come in contact with. We should live a life, uh, our life should even be an example of everything that is purified. The way that we live our life ought to be a testimony of a life that has been forgiven, purified, and put up forever as a child of the king. But then Jesus said, and I won't take but just a minute on the light, Jesus said that we're the light of the world. Well, we looked at one of the things last week that the light does. Light expels darkness. When the light comes on, we talked about it last week. When the light comes on, darkness has got to get out of town. Darkness can't come back into the room where the light is. Light and darkness cannot cohabitate. They, they cannot live in the same place. If the light is present, darkness has got to get. The darkness can't come back into the room. It can't mingle with the light. It can't associate with the light. It can't cohabitate, live together with the light. As long as the light is present, darkness has got to get gone. He says that we are the light of the world. There is no place for darkness to hide in the presence of the light. When we come into a room, we ought to make a difference. People ought to change the way they act or get out of the room. If we tolerate what they're saying, the jokes they're telling, the language they're using, and the pathetic garbage they're talking, then we're not letting the light shine. Because if we turn the light on, that's got to stop. It only stays if we allow it to. It's just a simple fact. Jesus said, Ye are the light of the world. So if ye, we, turn on the light, darkness can't stay around running its garbage around us. Somebody can go ahead and agree or disagree. It ain't going to change either way. Number two, light makes imperfections visible. Well, you can hide a lot of stuff in the cover of darkness. I mean, you, you can get away with a lot of things that, that don't look just right. The cover of darkness covers a, a lot of impurities, a lot of, a lot of imperfections. It's not that the imperfections aren't there. They're, they're just not as visible. It's not that they, they don't exist. If you got something that's bothering you in your house and you're tired of seeing it and you don't feel like fixing it, just turn the light off. It'll be there when you turn it back on. It's not that the problem doesn't exist. It's just that, that the light causes it to be visible. When you add light to the situation, it points out impurities. Somebody wake up the person sitting beside you because I want them to get this part. 
That's why it's so important, children of God, to read the light because it points out my impurities. It points out all of my imperfections. If I live in the dark, I may get away with a few sins. I may not be bothered by a lot of stuff. But if I start out every day reading the light, the light shows me what I'm doing wrong. The light shows me my imperfections. The light points me in the way to go. Children of God need to be reading the light so that, so that the light points out our impurities, so that we are flavored, so that when we walk into a room, we have a light. You want to know? You want to know why some people that go to church, you want to know why some people that you go to church with don't want to be around you much outside of church because if they ain't reading the light and they ain't living the light and they ain't walking the light, being around you points out their darkness. I've told them, listen, we're all the same. When we got saved, we didn't have to get rid of our bad friends. All we had to do is let them know that we had been exposed to the light and it made a difference in my life. I didn't get rid of none of them. They all got rid of me. When I, when I quit talking that way and started talking different, and when I started using the Lord's name to tell somebody about Jesus Christ, they couldn't stand that. The reason the world don't want to be around you is because you are exposing their darkness. You're exposing. You're exposing sin. The reason a lot of... I'll just throw in, I'm sorry because it ain't pointed at nobody, so I can use it if I wanted to. But the reason a lot of so-called Christians won't be around you if you're living a righteous and holy life as best as you can, it's because the righteous life that you're trying to live points out the impurities in their life. If they don't want to read this book and find it out, they sure don't want to be around you and find it out. Amen? Lord, help us. If we let our light shine, people, people can't help but to see it. Number three, light not only makes a way for us to see, but it gives off its light so that those around us might see. If there's a group of people walking in the dark, you know only one of you really needs a flashlight? Everybody doesn't have to use up your energizers. You, you can conserve by one of you using If your energizer bunny starts running down, you can turn yours off and somebody else can turn theirs on. But if you got a group of people walking together, one light is enough. Because the one light makes a way so that everybody can see. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Well, what are our good works? It is our fruit. The works that we're doing is obvious by the fruit that we bear. We talked about it last week. Good fruit, good fruit, bad fruit. Connected to good root, connected to bad root. The fruit comes from the root. I don't need to go back and do that again, do I? Let your light so shine. Our fruit is, is the evidence of who we are. It's just like the Beatitudes. It's not the way to salvation. It's the result of salvation. Good, good fruit is not what gets us saved. It's what comes out of us because we're saved. 
just exactly like the Beatitudes. Paul tells us, for by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So it's not works that's going to get us saved. We do good works because we're saved. Show me your works without your faith, and I'll show you my works by my faith. If we want our light to shine, We've got to spend time with the light. But, but if we spend time with the light, that, that's kind of like being plugged in. Anybody have any of those rechargeable lights? You know what happens if you use it and you don't plug it in? Next time you use it, you're walking in the dark. Unless you've got somebody around you with a light. If you don't plug into the light, you're going to run down. You gotta, you gotta plug. How many of you put your phone on charge at night? Don't none of you like, cause I know you do. You gotta make sure that thing. It's got your light, your life, your stories, your friends, your, your everything. It's got your questions answered. I mean, you gotta have it. You plug that thing in at night, so that when you get up in the morning, that thing will be charged up and ready to go. You need to do the same thing. Get up in the morning and plug into the light before you go out to start your day, so that you will be charged up and ready to take on the darkness that you're about to walk into. When we walk out of our house in the morning, we are walking into a dark world. You can't go out there and shine light in it unless you've hooked up to the charger that morning. So how do we let our light shine? Well, one, by doing good works. The other is by loving people. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. You, you want people to know Christ is in you? Good works are simply living the Beatitudes. Good works are simply living... The Beatitudes in us. It's trying to be everything that Christ said be there in those handful of verses. Good works are the visible evidence of a life that is lived for Christ as a result of our salvation. This little tidbit, and I'm done. It's all free. It is impossible. Anybody still awake? It is impossible for a light shining in the darkness to go unnoticed. I said it is impossible. It is impossible. It is impossible for a light shining in the darkness to go unnoticed. You notice that, that Jesus, let, let me tell you what he didn't say. He did not say that a light set upon a hill must not be hidden. He said it cannot. He, he didn't say, hey, if you got your light shining bright, get up on a hill. You must not drape it over a cloth you must, or with a cloth. You must not put it under a bushel, under a table. He didn't say you must not hide it. He said you cannot hide it. If we've been connected to the light, and the light has charged our battery for the day. You cannot hide it when you get around darkness. You cannot hide it when you get in a dark environment around a dark crowd of people. Because the light cannot be hidden in the dark. No matter how dark it is, the light is visible. Matter of fact, the darker it is, the further away you can see the light shining. 
So if we're living a Christian life and we truly are exemplifying the Beatitudes, then our light can't be hidden by that dark world. Our light cannot be dampened, darkened, or put down by those living in sin around us. Our flavor cannot be reduced. If we truly are filled with the flavor, filled with the spirit, the thing that lives in us, there is nothing that can take that away. We can't be flattened by that flat, tasteless world that's living out there. We can add flavor to it. That's what Jesus is telling us. So if we're living a Christian life, then we're going to make a difference in the lives of others. In 2021, if we're going to make a difference, we're going to have to live this life. We're going to have to, to study this light, connect to, be around this light. You know why the devil's trying to shut the church doors? Because he don't want you to recharge. Can, can I tell you, you can plug in every seven days, every day for seven days. Actually, I guess I need to make that six days, don't I? You can plug in. Well, you can do it seven days because y'all do it on Sunday morning too. You can plug into the source every morning and charge your light. But there's just a special boost about gathering in the house of God with the body of believers of Jesus Christ, with the family, with the church. There's just an extra boost. You know, some people, you know, y'all ain't going to believe this, but it's true. You know, some people can come to church and apparently get so charged that they can go a whole week without a charge because they don't read this thing the entire week. They can come to church on Sundays and not read this book one time, not read devotion. So apparently, coming to church is charged enough to last some people for seven whole days. So imagine what kind of boost it must be to those of you that are reading the book every day. There's a reason the devil wants to take the church out of the equation. We're the bride of Christ. The devil's looking to bring it to a stop. But he has no power and no authority because he is darkness and we are light. And the darkness has no authority over the light. You and I have a call. Everyone has a cause. Christians have a cause. We, we are here for such a time as this. We were not born in 1992, some of you, to not have a purpose or any other twos. How about that? To not have a purpose in 2021. We're, we're, we weren't accidentally born on our birthday. There is a time. We are in this day, in this season of our lives at this time, for right now, for such a time as this. That God might shed a light in a dark world. The only way we can expose, that we can do it is to expose ourselves to the light. Can I give them one more? It just come to me, so I got, I got to give them this before I close. I, 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 remember, I remember this from an example a long time ago. I used it. It's true. It's true. I know I'm a light because Jesus said I'm a light. Are you a light, brother? You're a light? How do we know we're light? Because Jesus said we're light. But we're not the light. We are a reflection of the light. We're just a moon. We have no charge in us. 
We have no batteries in us, no light. We are a moon. A moon is nothing but a reflection of the sun. Anybody want to make a connection? We are a reflection of the S-O-N sun. You know, even, even at night on a full moon, if you're like me and can't sleep with a light present, it's hard to sleep with the moon outside because the light gets bright. See, that's what, that's what we've got to be. We've got to be a moon so bright that it expels darkness. Wonder what it would mean to us for such a time as this. God has every one of us here for a cause. You have a cause. You have a reason. It involves 2021. It involves you. How many of you believe? How many of you believe? I, I'm straight up. How many of you believe that even if it's in one person's life around you, maybe, maybe it's not your whole job, maybe it's not your whole community, how many of you believe that even if it's only in the life of one person, that God can use you to make a difference? Everybody in here ought to have your hand up. Because God can use everybody in this place to make a difference. For some, it may be a difference for one some may be a difference for, for a few. Some it may be a difference for thousands. But God can use you. You have a cause. Go ahead and sing, brother. <laughs>